Hello and welcome to Design Pod, the podcast for all design and architecture enthusiasts, with me, Hamish Kilburn, at the helm. This entire series of Design Pod is sponsored by Minotti London. If you are new to the podcast, first and foremost, welcome. Secondly, where have you been all this time? Then scroll through the archives to listen to all of our episodes, but the ones particularly relevant to Minotti are the episodes with uh, Inoda and Shve from this series and Gam Fratesi from last series. And also, if you want to see the 2022 collection in person, then head on down to the Minotti London showroom in Fitzrovia. I can't quite believe that we're on the last episode of the series. Over eight weeks, we have given you exclusive interviews with people who can only be described, in my opinion, as visionaries. First and foremost, we started the series in Milan with Anoda and Shve discussing their debut collection with Monotti, which was just amazing. We then welcomed Ivalo Lakhratov onto the sofa, who gave us the inside scoop on how he is developing the world's first energy positive hotel. We caught up with Holly Halam from Design LSM to discuss a new era of lifestyle. We welcomed British designer Sue Timney onto the podcast, who had almost too many juicy stories to contain within an hour. Matthew Ballon made his fabulous appearance to explore the lean luxury concept behind Ruby Hotels. We went stateside to meet the wonderful Bryant Masana, who actually just let down all of his boundaries and unveiled his honest make or break career moments. And then we had Karen Stoneley, who helped us really explore and define wellness in design and architecture in 2022 and beyond. It has been amazing, but we're not quite done with series three yet. Our engines are still warm for the last episode of the series, which explores engineering in luxury, design and architecture. To do this, we're looking at one project in particular, which is a new development that will be positioned trackside at the iconic racing track Silverstone, the home of the UK Grand Prix. And it's here where developer Will Tyndall will seamlessly merge hospitality and motorsport in such an original way, right on the edge of the iconic racetrack. The development is called Escapade Silverstone, and it first entered our radar at Hotel Designs probably early 2021. Most recently, this weekend, in fact, I was very lucky enough to go and have a site visit at Silverstone, was given hospitality tickets to enjoy the MotoGP. It was such an incredible experience. I've never done anything like it, I think it's fair to say. And the the site itself is vast. I didn't actually get the the scale of the, the project until I went there and was sort of stood exactly where these developments and these structures were gonna take shape. Also a really interesting part of the project is the fact that this is just one part of Silverstone's development plans. But how do you design a hospitality project on that scale in such a well-known and much-loved destination with die-hard fans that are going to be walking around on big major events? Well, Lorraine Stout-Griffith is a director at 12 Architects and she's the architect who is essentially in charge of the project. With her small yet mighty team who are all used to designing unconventional projects, They are, in my opinion, setting new standards in design and architecture and following my site visit where I was able to see the bones of the development, I caught up with Lorraine to learn more. Here's my interview. So welcome, Lorraine. Welcome to Design Pod. How are you? Where are you in the world? Are you in Silverstone? Hi, thanks. Hi, Hamish. I'm no, I'm actually in London today in uh, in our studio, which is in London Bridge. Okay. Um, This project that you're working on 
has just caught my attention and somewhat. So at the weekend, I was lucky enough to be in Silverstone. Um, and what really strikes me, so, so Silverstone, for, for our listeners that don't know, is the iconic British racetrack that's home for the UK Grand Prix and, and various other events like MotoGP. But it's... Um, it's in the middle of nowhere and we will see it, you know, on, on the TV screens, watching the Formula One. But when what struck me was that you drive in and you feel like you're driving into a farm. You just <laughs> drive into like nowhere. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this just like the racetrack appears basically and then you obviously go in. Um, but the site is massive. So, so the idea for Escapade Silverstone is to develop a luxury residence and clubhouse feel trackside that's right isn't it yeah that's absolutely right and it's in a series sorry go ahead go on go on (laughs) so it's basically a large field as you say it's almost in the countryside so that was one of the challenges to be fair in in when we did the design and the residences are spread out over the whole of the site so there are key what we call type one trackside residences which run along the trackside and then as you sort of get further back from the track that um, becomes a bit more um, rural if you're, and in, in landscape. There's lots of trees and there's little uh, tributaries and rivers and swales and greenery. It's um, quite pretty, but it's just trying. It's basically one of the tricky things about the design was having this kind of fairly full-on uh, racetrack on one side and then a kind of countryside little village feel, you know, on the other side. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and when you actually look around the, the track, there is hardly any development. Obviously, recently that's changed and there's there's a new hotel at one end and then you guys are going to be, or, or Escapade Living is going to be at another end. But just explain the importance of location for Escapade Living because the the style that you, or the, the, the project wanted to, wanted to create was luxury, but not cliche luxury very much kind of like (laughs) authentic kind of laid back luxury I think is probably the right term yeah that's quite a nice way of putting it I think there was a long (laughs) I guess and that's grown from long discussions with the planners Um, so the planning authority was quite concerned I guess you know that we didn't build something that was a big blot on the landscape because there's quite long views you know Bedford where 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 Silverstone is situated in the country is pretty flat that area and um, I think so for example the neighboring villages they were really concerned that the sight lines uh, Silverstone as you say is almost hidden the track itself you don't really see it um, because it's sort of such so flat and that I think one of the key things the planners are very concerned about was that the materiality and the massing you know um, that it wasn't this great big carbuncle you know that it kind of blended into the landscape and by having these individual residences broken down and in sort of nice natural materials, um, uh, that really helps that. And I think, so, you know, we talked a lot about the views, uh, making it perforate so that, you know, if you take the whole site um, and you're looking at it from a distance, you know, you can there's gaps in between. It's not like a solid lump of building kind of thing. So I think that mm. was a key thing in, 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 in arranging the side and trying to get, you know, the flow of um, spaces between the buildings and so on. Actually, I know it's a challenge, but also quite quite good to know that there are parameters involved in how far yeah. you can take it. Absolutely. Then, yeah. yeah go on, I think go on. it's going to say it's, you know, it's very different designing a building in a city urban environment where you've got lots of context, lots of constraints. And actually that 
helps to define your design, you know, quite strictly. You know, there's not much, you know, you've basically got very tight uh, parameters to work within. When you've got a field that's kind of open and there's no context, you know, you've got a few cars zooming past uh, and you've got some stands, uh, the Beckett stands. Um, and other than that, you know, there's not very much. So actually having these key constraints from the planners, yeah, as you say, it helps, mm. it helps you to, de to define um, how the site's going to work. Mm, for sure. And the other thing that really sort of caught my attention when I was when I was on at, at the track was that from a media perspective, you only see what's on the course, really, don't you? Yeah. What, what I think is really wonderful about this project is the potential for it to really make Silverstone a destination beyond racing, but using racing and kind of using that as a, a style and as a connection. Yeah. But in its own right, it being a destination. And I feel like especially where it is so isolated from the rest of the country in terms of you know just where it sits <laughs> yeah it, it needs to be that but I, I feel like the audience there's a, the audience there and there's um there's definitely a demand for those types of development I mean look at certain brands having you know their farmhouses around there's definitely yeah, definitely a demand and I feel like what you just said in terms of you know you've got that um juxtaposition of having the racetrack on one side and the countryside on the other yeah. How did you then establish the the design, the construction uh, look and feel that's going to? Yeah. So I think what both. Yeah. What we we started, I guess, with the track side. So what we have are three types of buildings, sort of notionally three types of buildings. One is track side, and these are the very dynamic um, three story buildings, effectively, although they look two story. Um, but we can look talk about that in more detail a bit later. They're and then... so cool. The fact that it looks like a Formula One race. <laughs> I'm really, yeah, tech. excited. I just, love it. To see the steelwork <laughs> finally up is the skeleton, isn't yeah. it, just at the moment. But that is so exciting. And when you, you've been working on something for a long time, and it's like it's finally coming together. Uh, I said to Stephen Nash, the the general manager who was with me at the weekend, I said to him, right, I, I have to stay in that one. The one, that, you know, the, <laughs> the first the, one. <laughs> yeah, because at the moment you go to the site and it is literally just a building site. Yeah. Um, and we've posted about it on our social media as well. So, I mean, you can head over there if you want to have a look. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's literally just two. It's just the, the pillars, the, the bones of yeah. what will be. It's and exciting. I think, yeah, super exciting. And it's the best part for me I think being an architect is when suddenly it starts to come out of the ground and uh, all of your drawings and drawings and drawings you know for months and years start to actually become in three dimensions yeah um, but I feel sorry for architects because it isn't until that moment where people start realizing what you're doing I yeah, mean you've been working like... on this project since 2016 <laughs> head, I believe yeah so 2016 initially <laughs> initial discussions obviously it's sort of stop start stop start 2018 probably a bit more um involved and bit starting to develop the design you know a bit more and uh, then long discussions with planning authority to be fair um so as yeah sorry as i was saying they've got the track side buildings which are the sort of mo big i guess feature buildings which are the track side the key dynamic um 3d forms and then um behind them are what they call the dual aspect which is sort of much smaller simpler two-story buildings but what they have is a roof terrace and so you the idea is the dual aspect idea is that you can see the track not as a clear view as you do from the track side but you can still see through uh, but you can also see back to the countryside so you have the dual aspect there and then the third what we call them type fours but the the, the the third building is called the countryside and these are all single story 
um, and there's 21 of them and they are more basically inwardly facing they they're sitting in the landscape um, they'll it looks you know the visuals anyway when we've worked quite closely with the landscape designer in the design of all of the um, trees and planting and he's got um, you know uh, sustainable drainage systems where so we have basins that will fill up when it's raining and swales the little kind of tributaries of small bridges over them and they've got green roofs uh, and there's a lot of timber involved basically in the cladding and so these um, countryside developments are much more um, quiet I guess they've got um, a nice terrace which often, you know, is orientated towards the landscape rather than towards the track. And the idea is that, the, that people might want to have that experience at Silverstone um, and they will get kind of exclusive use of the clubhouse. So if you own any of the properties or you're renting any of the properties, uh, you can um, go and stay in the clubhouse. So if some event is going on, the clubhouse is like a key place to be. And that has, you know, basically the key the great views that you get similarly to the trackside so you've got that kind of benefit of both so you might have a family you know who's who's who have marginal interest in the racing and you know some of the family want to watch it and others want to go for a swim in the clubhouse and you know chill out uh in in at home you know they can do both things so i think it's quite nice having that range um range of size of property for rent and you know also range of kind of different experiences within the site because as you say it's quite a vast site so we wanted to include lots of different kinds of spaces not just make yeah. it all kind of one you know one thing it also eliminates it from being too cliche as well by having all those layers it's yeah. it's relevant it's thought out it's a development it's a it's a complex of um you know luxury accommodation but what was there before if i'm if i'm correct it's was it was a big mound wasn't it where people <laughs> So what we had, a big mound, not in the well, middle it, well, of the field. In, in terms of where um, uh, uh, spectators would be able to watch the the, um, the racing. And obviously so, that's yeah. been leveled out. As you walked, so what we have, what they call the debris fence, which is basically the, the protection from you and yeah. any crashes <laughs> and bits of things flying off cars. Um, and then there was a bund if you like, of sort of yeah. a, a green mound that was going up to that fence. So that green mound has been removed so that your walking level um, now it's is flat. a long, yeah, and flat. And then that bound, sort of bund effectively has been moved to the um, trackside, developed the trackside properties. So they, they, they form the kind of the base, if you like, of the residences. So that the garage is approached from behind, not the track, you know, so the opposite to the trackside. And then you have... Um, the two, um, I guess, blocks uh, of the residences stacked on top of that green mound. So that it makes it, even as a three-story building, it actually effectively looks like a two-story building sitting mm. on a green mound. And that green, you know, follows the shape of the track, follows the edge of the path. Um, and in itself is a really nice buffer zone between the people staying in the residences and, you know, all of the public so most days i think you know there's only a few days a year which you have on mass hundreds of thousands of people you yeah. know like on formula one day but on sure. those days there's you know it is really packed and so it's really nice i think to have that buffer between you and sort of 
the general public, you know. Um, yeah, I think so. Because I, I was talking to Stephen and I said, oh, how cool would it be to have like a, a, a what was it, a hot tub on, on the balcony? Yeah. like, yeah, but the thing is, you've got to be a bit sensitive because if like on Formula In, One days, I don't think that will be taken very well by the spectators. No, and they'd just be looking at you. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> there's always, there's, there is always a slight conflict, I guess, because mm. the views from the residences wants to be open so we've got glass balconies we've got large open windows and so those views you know that people want to obviously be looking out but obviously you at the same time people, people are looking, looking in, in. yeah mm. so having them having them elevated again helps with that so you can kind of see you'll see people on the balconies but you won't really be able to see into the residences so i think that's good it gives a bit of privacy and in terms of acoustics did you did you figure out some sort of innovative acoustics systems and materials or so what we've got we've it's acoustic it's well acoustically insulated but it's not super acoustically insulated it's never going to be though is it because you always i mean you are yeah. a racetrack <laughs> you're at a racetrack so we basically quite early on um we had obviously a, a background noise survey done and then our acoustician did um, a sort of assessment of the different times of day and obviously different events that are going on. And we all agreed that on a race day, for example, on a very noisy day, you're not going to not hear cars driving past. I mean, you've mm. probably heard it. I don't know if there was anything going on when you were there, but... Uh, oh, yeah, we had to pause conversations. <laughs> super noisy, yeah. I mean, just... Zoom. But Straight it's past part you. of the, the atmosphere to start with. But exactly. also, as you say, it's only going to be on those on those kind of really sort of, you know, heavy event days where that's going to be an issue. I mean, what I think is really interesting is, you know, hardcore fans could go and visit and, and see a different side of Silverstone yeah. during the week. And, and you know. quite interesting, isn't it? Because lots of things going on, I think, all the time. And they're mm. trying new things as well. They had some things at Christmas where you could go and drive around. Uh, they had Christmas lights and things and you could drive your own car around. You know, they do, and they're trying to always kind of look at different ways of um, bringing people to Silverstone and experiencing it. And apart from obviously track days, um, I think what the idea is if you have if you stay at one of the residences, you know, you could um, be involved in the track, you know, have a track days. In terms of the um, the the structure of each building, I, mm -hmm. I really want to talk about this, because if I say to our podcast listeners, it looks like a Formula One car overtaking. I mean, <laughs> if I had that, I'd be like, whatever, like that's far too. <laughs> but just explain to us the the abstract nature of these structures and how that idea came about. And also, yeah. I really also want to know, Lorraine, is were there any ideas that you put forward that just got pushed out and it was just too much that didn't work? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Maybe I'm not allowed to tell about those. So, um... <laughs> safe space. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's interesting, so there's two, I guess there's two ideas that came together to help to form, well, more than two, actually, there's several, a few ideas that came together to form these um, dynamic buildings. So what you do, what you have, if you imagine two shoeboxes, very basic, uh, rectangular, quite long shoeboxes, rectangular boxes, um, simple in shape. Um, and initially, you know, we looked a lot at prefabrication. And so this was a shape, you know, that was that readily available from a prefabricated kind of module. Um, but what we wanted was these trackside residences to look, um, you know, not like a prefabricated 
off the shelf building. So what we did was take those components, if you like, so there's sort of a garage, which is fixed, and then there's two forms, two rectangular um, volumes on the top, which are stacked. And even though, so they, and as they're stacked, they're twisted. So that, that gives you the first kind of shift. Um, the idea of the slipstream um, is what's given us a bit of extra kind of dynamism, I guess, in the building. So each of the buildings has um, um, a fabric, a tensioned fabric wrap, which wraps around the base, the bottom half and the top half, and it's angled in different angles. So this is kind of this idea of as one uh, car is passing another, it gets that extra boost from using the slipstream of the car in front of it. So it's that kind of swoosh, I guess, that we were trying to articulate in uh, architectural form, let's say, so that there's two blocks twist side to side, and then mm -hmm. the, the sort of fabric um, canopies effectively over the balconies kind of give emphasis to this kind of idea of movement. And as the site, uh, the track is actually swoosh, sort of swooping around, if you looked at it in plan, it's a big swoosh. So each of the buildings are rotated individually. So none of the buildings are aligned orthogonally they all each one is differently orientated to get the best view of the track and to get the best kind of um view uh well the best view of the track without being kind of impeded by its neighbors so you've got this kind of very nice i think um idea of it's not very repetitive ev even though the buildings are all the same because they're all orientated differently that gives you a great um sort of feeling of movement and it's that whole thing of the car zooming past as it gets to beckett's corner um you know is that is a very it's a kind of very fast bit of the track before they meet this bend so there's a bend at beckett's which is a double bend if anyone knows Silverstone and knows about racing which is a very exciting kind of point in the track so what you see is this kind of fast um uh you know the, the cars obviously zooming past you and then they have to break really you know suddenly and sort of uh manage to get around the bends and that so that's a really sort of dynamic part of the site uh part of the track and part of the circuit and also I think that kind of reflects back on the site and the buildings and how they sort of address that so the rest of the buildings that are behind the track side they are more sedate more kind of regular um fairly orthogonal uh, a bit simpler um but still clad in the same materials and the same sort of palette of materials to give it um and so they all fit together hopefully you know as they look like they belong together um even yeah. though they're quite different uh, Lorraine, I need to understand what your, how far your knowledge extended on uh, motorsports before you started working on this project. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Uh... Beckett's Corner, you sound like an expert. I love it. Although I feel like an expert now because I've been to the yeah, track just and having I, gone I know to the all site. about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I literally, I think actually one of our most, one of my most, this is last year, it was the first time that uh, the, our client escapade, he, um, he organized a platform that was at, built at the height of the first balcony that would be on one of the trackside residences. And I think, and it, we went there on, we didn't go on the day, Formula One day, because we're just the architects. So we went on the day before, um, but uh, it was super kind of exciting. It's a great atmosphere though, isn't it? Yeah. And to see that you can see so much just by being elevated to that first floor balcony, mm. where it was just almost 
super relieved let's say because you're thinking phew it actually works and um (laughs) you can see so much so much of the site it's such a great i think really exciting i think i don't know um we always we joke about it in our office but we never get we very (laughs) rarely get kind of normal projects we end up having these well this is what i've noticed yes i've noticed the unconventional projects you've worked on and actually the variety of projects you've worked on so i really want to understand um there's this there's a there's a, ho- is it a hotel or building i don't know what it is um but it's uh sorry the diamond in, in sheffield it's literally oh, yes. on the website as you, as you look at it, it's, it i mean where do you start with a project like that how does that <laughs> how does that come about and get so, to its end goal yeah i mean the diamond is um an engineering building for the University of Sheffield and uh, we won a competition what's a competition a bid there's a bid process that you have to go through and we basically won that um, to design that building and it was uh, before so actually myself and the uh, my fellow director Matt we actually worked on that building when we were in a previous practice um, and 12 architects took it on with the contractors to deliver it um, so that building again is a great example of something which was new for the university is like bringing all the different departments of um, engineering together but at the same time it has this central atrium space which is open to all students so like you could be uh, learning French but you know have go and have a seat and do your little uh, do your learning you can book a space and be sitting next to uh, or looking at a lab where they're doing structural materials testing you know and so bringing that kind of um, cross-contamination of different students into, into the same space was really exciting and mm. I think the diamond itself as a facade came up from well basically it was it was again and I think most buildings have you know it's to do with the site and the fact that we were basically having to fill the site completely uh, in order to get all the accommodation that the university wanted and so in order not to create this great big block um, impervious kind of you know mm. block on the site we wanted something which um, was ref- sort of refractive and interesting and didn't look like a big mass it's sort of mm-hmm. you know by having this facade which has got glass clear glass sort of frosted glass and then plain glass but they've got you know and we've got this sort of repeating module um, of the shape of the diamond which is part of the facade um, which kind of gets smaller and bigger and you know we've kind of designed um, is was a parametric design, which personally I didn't personally do. It was a guy in our office who was really interested in that <laughs> sort of computer, though. yeah, and generated the pattern. Um, uh, and so, you know, you've got basically the same size, well, different size modules, but the same kind of proportion, which yeah. can become more dense or more open, depending on if it's south facing, west facing, and so on, or what activity is going on behind. So, mm. and th- and then you've got the Bodmin Jail Hotel and Spa, which just looks. Yeah, and again, that's completely different again, isn't it? It's like, so that was a derelict prison, Victorian prison, a derelict Victorian prison in Bodmin, which a client that we'd worked with, not very much, we'd had a few chats with him, a sort of private developer who went on holiday to Bodmin and thought, actually, this could be a hotel. 
and we were kind of like really uh but once <laughs> you went down there it was really enigmatic and the atmosphere is was amazing so we're like and you, right. you created a like a glass house where the the pool and the spa sits what what was there before yeah so that actually hasn't been built yet so that's okay. that's our new addition to the hotel um so that's in progress now being designed we've got planning permission um so we're just looking at the interior design of that actually um right now so that project is still to be built and that so that's a little addition basically it was always one of those things i felt was missing it's kind of wants to be a luxury mm. hotel but it doesn't have a spa we didn't have space really for a spa facility um so it's because it's got an attraction and it's got you know lots of stuff crammed in um mm. this little a little glass building on the end of the pool it's fairly minimal but it will be beautiful hopefully a little jewel at the end yeah, for sure as long as it's you know integrated seamlessly it, it, <laughs> but no and no, i don't, don't mean you as in just in terms of you know there's such a demand for spas and wellness now it's it's a bit yeah. of a pitfall for people to just add it on whereas yes. you know, if it's integrated within the fabrics of the building and it makes sense yeah. it, what it, I think, it looks incredible yeah I mean, I, what I, I think the whole juxtaposition so... between contemporary and, and pre-existing as well you can really see the jail structure and yeah this is just the compliment that was very much well. real really um a strong kind of idea that we wanted to maintain the beginning mm. that anything new that we do looks like it is new um yeah. and we've basically in heart I feel like the the building is really really beautiful inside we've kind of really just made it watertight um let the walls breathe and just by bringing light in um the stonework is really really lovely when you go there it's a very calm space some people have said to me oh i'm not sure i want to stay in a jail that's a bit weird it's creepy you know because horrible I mean, things happen there <laughs> i mean i've had some weird and crazy <laughs> yeah people that want to want to stay in a jail you know it's supposed to be haunted still um, well we so... we covered a story about um a jail being renovated um a few years ago and uh, the engagement was huge everyone yeah. everyone wants to stay in it i mean i definitely did not review it i would not step foot in it personally but... but it was actually really nice i think it's weird i'm not sure that you would stay for two weeks you know like i think as an architect it must be interesting yeah with all the limitations of like natural lighting the structurally you know having to it's a huge challenge but a project that you look back on and think it was it was a really it was a real journey yeah um, definitely whereas some buildings especially new builds sometimes it can just feel a bit kind of I don't know, cookie cutter. Um, yeah. And I think, it to... yeah, it's true to say, you know, Silverstone as well. It's like a, it's a hotel, but it's actually, it's got a lot more than a hotel. It's not just somewhere for to sure. stay for sleeping. You know, it's actually quite an experience in itself. The building and is it's an part experience. Of a legacy. The, what they're doing in Silverstone and the development mm. that they're, do, they're doing around it. I, I really hope for, for Silverstone and Escapade um, living, I really hope that it, it does become that destination and that it really does challenge those members only mentality of members clubs because it doesn't yeah. have that's not the only travel experience you can have outside of london yeah <laughs> Do you know what i mean yes that's all yeah. i'm saying that's all it's, i'm saying yeah no worries <laughs> <laughs> but going back to um uh, escapade and obviously mm -hmm. still sort of continuing on the wellness theme which was a, um, a key topic a few episodes ago um there's going to be a spa in the clubhouse and, yeah. you know, so just explain the the kind of concept of that and how that will, because I, I believe the pool is going to be on the ground floor. Yeah. So interestingly, in. yeah, the pool is on the almost track level, basically. Um, and I think, you know, most of the time you probably wouldn't feel exposed, particularly on the other hand, you know, there has been a lot of, well, if you are 
like if it is a kind of even a medium size event day you know you would feel a bit like exposed if you were swimming and people were just sort of wandering past um so that will be um soften that glass slight you know obscurity to the glass so you still get light in so it'd be a nice calm space and again it's quite well insulated acoustically that the swimming pool uh, there's a gym uh, there's also some treatment rooms there's a sauna uh, we haven't fitted a steam room in actually, but I think the idea is that it's a kind of more calm oasis type of space, whereas it could be a full on, if you've ever been to an event day, it's pretty full on, I think. Um, yeah. So I think there's our idea of it, you know, again, luxury is almost, it's time and space, isn't it? As well as materials around you. It's just that kind of, um, I don't know, extra um, bit of space around you that can sometimes be the, mo the most luxurious thing um, mm. and the restaurant is on the first floor so you can you get an amazing view of the track again um, so you can have dinner as a bar uh, they've got various um, ways of setting up you know just if on a normal day it'd still be a beautiful restaurant I think it's not lovely interior design um, and it's a full-on um, luxurious restaurant even just on a normal day um, obviously an event day is going to be sort of hyped up to 10 and we've got a roof terrace so that's the second floor effectively um, and space for kind of probably a temporary installation of a bar um, and you know tables and chairs and so on and umbrellas on a hot day which uh, can be very very hot yeah yeah it just sounds such an amazing project and also the the other element that we haven't actually touched upon is the collaborative element so originally the interiors of the clubhouse and the residences were conceived by Bergman Design House yeah. and you worked with them um Will Tyndall who is the developer and there are so many other people behind the scenes what has yeah. it been like working with uh you know uh Top Lots of class. different clients. <laughs> yeah, but also from completely different angles of the industry and, and learning yeah, from them. I find it, I really enjoy that side of the job, basically. And I think from my experience working in universities, it's, it's similar. So I think having, say, grown up, we're doing a lot of different university projects and um, I've done some laboratories and so on. When you get people who are working on the ground and you get the people who are running the university, you know, the vice chancellor or whatever, that you're also talking to, this, to the students and to the staff. And I think this similar approach, it's basically an an equitable approach. I like to make sure that everyone is around the table and nobody feels that they're more important than anybody else in a way, because everyone is part of running the building at the end of the day. And um, you want everyone to have that input that they feel on board, you know, that they feel that they're listened to. Um, and, you know, it, irrespective of whether their own personal um, tastes sometimes that that can sometimes be quite tricky particularly in an interior design you know someone's like I hate blue someone is like oh I hate pink or whatever you know so it has to always be a sort of a, a kind of a yeah the interior designers probably have the most difficult job I'd say um yeah. and they get the most criticism also because I think people can imagine that much more easily so like if you're talking about you know a wrap on a slipstream building everyone's kind of nodding okay but like yeah. if you're talking about a cushion and then some curtains then everyone already knows it what becomes that is personal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but it's I do, so nice yeah. to see architecture and design working together and i think yeah. what i'm loving about this project is it's really straying away from cliches it's really sort of just putting forward the clean luxury slipstream luxury if you like i mean i'm <laughs> gonna own that that's why you, you've done yeah, it first but i'm gonna own it but it kind of is even even when it comes down to you know we 
you mentioned like the garden rooms and where the the garage is where people park their cars it's under the same structure as as what you would be able to or, or the reflection of the same structure of yeah. the buildings yeah. and the interiors from what i've seen are very much on on that kind of clean minimalist luxury uh, um, yeah, but definitely. comfortable and home from home in its own right which i think is a challenge but also when you get it right it just works perfectly actually from my perspective I can tell when designers and architects have sat around a table and yeah. worked together. Especially That's... when you see the end product kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so where are you on the projects now? Obviously, we've seen the structures go up. What's the next phase? At the moment, we're finalising really this Jira design. Um, we've mm-hmm. got the things that we need to get into production a bit more, a bit sooner. Things like the kitchens, you know, and um, sort of joinery pieces. Those are just about um, signed off. I mean, the hope is we're at least going to have phase one by this time next year complete. I mean, I'm sure there'll be, whether it's 100% complete, there'll definitely be, you know, 90% complete. And I'm really hoping that we do get some residences that actually can be inhabited. Um, So I think we're really on, we're really quite far. We're on the last, we're on the final straight, if you like. The (laughs) finish line. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think uh, it's going to be re- what's going to be the next big, I think, jump in um, appreciation is when you when people start to see the actual interior space um, of the buildings, particularly the trackside ones, mm. because I think the way they're angled at different angles and the way that the whole end wall and actually it slightly wraps around the corners is glass. You come into the building. It's not overly generous in the garages. It's fairly small. The staircase is, you know, kind of average size. But the idea is that you kind of pinch slightly as you're coming up the building. Uh, and then when you get into your apartment or your residence, you know, you do get that oh, wow, factor wow factor because you suddenly see <laughs> the big expanse of Silverstone right in front of you. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really great thing as sort of, you know, device in some ways. So, you know, you kind of put someone in a dark, not dark, but you put someone in a sort of fairly average space that, to then give them this kind of big reveal at the end. I think that'd mm. be really lovely. And, you know, it's all about the track. When you get into the residence, you'll see, you see, of course, it's all about the track, basically. It's all about the circuit. And I think, so one end is faced, all the living areas, the kitchen and um, the balconies are all facing the track side. But then you have the quieter end of the building. So the bedrooms are all at the other end and they face onto the countryside. Uh, sort of across you know the rest of the rest of the site and so that's a nice quieter view um, you know sort of smaller windows uh, a bit more private Um, so there's a nice kind of you know contrast of sort of sort of party side and then the quiet side yeah I mean what I love about this project is that it wouldn't work anywhere else in the world at any other yeah it really has been designed around Silverstone yeah it's very specific (laughs) we've run out of time but I really can't wait to see this project develop and obviously we're going to be following you and the team every step of the way with you know we've put it out there we're going to do the concept completion article and it's going to be fabulous and we can't wait for the end project that's great thanks thank you so much for joining us no problem See see you How insane does Escapade Silverstone sound? I'm definitely going to use that term slipstream luxury to describe it again. I just think it's it's amazing. We, we started covering this project in 2021, so about a year ago, just over a year ago. And then it just seems like a concept to me. Whereas it feels like now we're at a really pivotal moment in the project. I mean, I was in Silverstone last week. I was able to see the structures go up. It's exciting that this is really becoming a reality. 
And the other thing is, especially with this episode, I think you really need to see the renders for yourself in order to capture how these contemporary structures will sit in the iconic racetrack. Um, we've posted the latest renders over on our Instagram channels at Hotel Designs and I'm at Hotel Design Editor. And we're very excited to have the, the concept completion story that we're going to be covering over on the Hotel Designs website, hoteldesigns.net. And that's it. We have come to the end of yet another meaningful and compact series of Design Pod. I just want to take a moment to thank my producer, Mel Yates, who works so hard and tirelessly behind the scenes on this series to, to really capture the, the magic and carefully glue together each episode, um, in addition to his day job, which is photographing incredible spaces around the world and people as well. And of course, I want to thank our amazing sponsors, Monotti London. Um, I'm really grateful for the ticket over to Milan to see the collection um, up close and personal. And we love working with those guys. So thank you. We will be back with series four of Design Pod in the not too distant future. Thank you again so much for listening and following our journey. And I'll see you soon. <laughs>